week, say again, God, thank you, God, for the opportunity, God, of learning your word, God. We believe that, Father, that, it, God, your word is true, that it's living and active, it's, sharp, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates to the divide of soul and spirit, joints and marrows, the discerner uh, of the thoughts and intentions of our heart, God, and we thank you for your word, God, cutting through, God, everything that needs to be cut out of our life uh, this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, in concluding our sermon series, Setting the Atmosphere, the topic or the title of this message is called Leaders Set Atmospheres. Say that with me. Say, Leaders Set Atmospheres. Now, if you have a, a smartphone or a tablet, we do have a live event, so you can go right on to version, follow right along. I'll have all of the sermon notes and the slides are actually right on there, so you can, you can follow right along and, and do that if you would like. If not, everything is going to be on the screen. Um, one of the best leaders or people who teach leadership is John Maxwell. Anybody here ever hear of John Maxwell? Raise your hand. If you haven't, that's cool. You're, you're hearing about him for the first time today. And so he's got a, a lot of awesome quotes that I'm actually going to be using uh, throughout the course of this message. And, and just kind of to start us off, this is what John Maxwell sells on leadership, uh, especially on atmosphere. This is what he says. He says, the leader's attitude is like a thermostat for the place they work. If their attitude is good, the atmosphere is pleasant and the environment easy to work in. But if their attitude is bad, the temperature is insufferable. Anybody here ever work with a, with a, a boss that, man, they just had a bad attitude that day? How'd that make you feel? I mean, that was a hard day's work, right? Not necessarily because of, of uh, maybe the people that you're working around, but just because of your boss. Because, friends, leaders create an environment, uh, and so they can make the workplace... They can make it a place that is friendly and and hospitable, or friends, or or they can make it a hostile environment. And so that's the power of leadership that they have. They they set atmospheres, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, friends. But leaders do more than just influence the workplace. I mean, think about this: a strong leader can actually even turn the tide of an entire country. Not just change the atmosphere of the place you're working in, but a strong leader has the capacity to change the tide of an entire country. For instance, let's look back at George Washington who led through the Revolutionary War and is considered to be the father of our country. I mean, I mean, his leadership was so great we put him on the dollar bill. I mean, think of an, another great leader who changed the tide of, of our country, you know, not only George Washington through the Revolutionary War when we we're fighting uh, against Great Britain, but think of another one, Abraham Lincoln, who led the United States through civil war and helped abolish slavery. I mean, think about, think about being a lasting leader that your legacy changes, changes generations behind you. That's powerful leadership. Friends, God's called us to be powerful leaders. Do you know that? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm called, you're called to lead. Okay, just so that you know that. You let them know and you let yourself know. Friends, you're called to lead. We're going to get into that in a little bit later here. Friend, when a leader walks into a room, it changes the whole vibe. Have you ever had that happen? Have you ever had it happen where where you're in a place and you're having a good time and you're, you're just, you know, minding your own business but then when an actual leader walks in the room, it's almost like everything stays still just for a moment and they all zoom into the leader just for a minute. Have you ever had that happen? 
You know, maybe it's maybe it's a, a pep rally and the star quarterback comes walking in, or or maybe or maybe you're at a place where you know there's a there's like some sort of rally, or maybe you're at a at a meeting and the mayor walks in, or some you know just for a moment when they first walk in, you can feel the whole climate of a of a place shift because they change an atmosphere when a we, when a leader walks in. I didn't know this, but uh, Pastor Earl, he, he's told me this uh, a few times. I'm like, okay, whatever. He's like, he's like, there's times, he's like, when you walk in this room, it just changes. Why? Because the, because the, the, the anointing of God to lead is on my life for this place. So I should have authority in this place. Hopefully, right? <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Friends, people of authority change an atmosphere. You can write that down. People of authority change an atmosphere. People of authority. Okay, if, if, I'll tell you, one of my determining factors as a leader, personally, is not to be a person of position. I've never desired to be a person of position. But what I have desired is to be a person of authority. There's a big difference between position and authority. We're going to see this here in just a minute. Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 28. This is out of the New Living Translation. You can follow right along on the screen with us, or you can turn there in your Bibles. If you, if you bring your Bible to church, that is a good idea. Look at your neighbor say, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Bring your Bible to church. It's a good idea. Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 28 says this. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum, when the Sabbath day had come, when he went into the synagogue and began to teach, the people were amazed at his teaching. Say amazed. amazed. They're amazed. For he taught with real authority. And then there's a little hyphen. <laughs> he taught with real authority, hyphen, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Do you see there's a difference between position and authority? Are you seeing this? The teachers of religious law had what? Position to teach the law. But Jesus taught, he didn't have a position, but he had authority. And it was recognized. Are you seeing this? Let's continue on here. Suddenly, a man in the, in the uh, synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began to shout, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus cut him short. Be quiet. Come out of the man. Friends, don't ever talk with devils. <laughs> Just shut them up. Just cast them out. Don't talk with devils. <laughs> he told them. He just said, "You want to? If, if, if you're ever in a, in a position, just friends, don't talk to them. Shut them up. Just cast them out. Be quiet. Come out of the man." He ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion. And then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience. And they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Come on. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. I'll tell you, that is a sad situation that the teachers of the law... We're teaching the law for years and years, and they've never seen a demonstration of the Spirit's power until that point in time where they thought it was a new teaching. What kind of new teaching is this with authority? That is sad. 
Friends, I just want to go ahead and say this, friends. There are people that are teaching and preaching without authority, and that is sad. Because, friends, I don't, uh, Paul says this. He says, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. It's one of my life verses. I love that one. I said, yes, Lord. I need that. Teaches with authority. Practices authority. The teachers of religious law had position. Jesus had authority. There's a lot of people that are fighting for position. That doesn't mean you have authority. There's a lot of people, you know, your boss might be your boss, but if they don't know the authority they have, they're just your boss, but they don't have authority. People recognize authority. We see all kinds of people in the Bible with authority. A few examples. Here's an example of, of people who had authority and led. Just real quick. Moses. He had authority to do what? To lead slaves from captivity. We have Joshua who was a leader. He had authority to lead the Hebrews to build a country. Just a few more. We have Deborah who had authority to lead an army into great victory. And then, you know, our fa- one of our favorite Characters in the Bible, David, he had authority to do what? To lead Israel to build a dynasty. When people, when people, I mean, you are, the scripture is filled with, with people who walked in authority. They walked in authority. Friends, do you know that you are called to walk in leadership? Do you know that? Do you know that you are called to walk in leadership? Say this with me. Say, I am. Joshua, say this with me. Say, I am. Come on, speak it up, because you are too, son. Say, I am called to leadership. Yes, you are. Number one, friends, we are all called to lead something or someone. You can write that down if you want. It's going to be on the screens. We are all called to lead something or someone. We're all called. We're all called to lead. And this is where I'm going to go ahead and start with this. First off, friends, we need to learn to lead ourselves. We need to learn how to lead ourselves. There are too many people that are being tossed to and fro. The scripture talks about that in James chapter 1. It says they're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Whether they're not, they're not leading themselves. Obviously, I'm, you know, in the context of Christ, obviously, He's the one that we're supposed to follow. But friends here, this is what we're going to get into just for a moment. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our heart. I'm talking about our desires. I'm talking about our passions because I mean there is a there is a thing where people uh, they well I am going to follow my heart friends you follow your heart you follow your passions you follow your desires then you're going to follow deception I'm just following my heart I have movies on it on uh Hallmark follow your heart. I'm not following my heart because the last time I read Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? So if my heart is deceptive, why would I follow it? Friends, we need to not follow our heart. We need to lead our heart. Come on. Don't follow your heart. Lead it. 
You need to tell yourself where you're going. I'm not going to follow the passions and the lust and perversion of the flesh. Come on. I'm not going to follow these these things. that No, I'm going to lead myself. I'm going to lead my heart. I'm going to tell my heart, no, this is where you're going in the name of Jesus. You're getting into the Bible. You're getting into the presence of the Lord. Come on. We wonder why people are so deceived because they're following their heart and their heart is deceptive. The heart will lead you astray. What's your heart when I'm saying your heart? Man, your passions, your, 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 your emotions. You need to lead yourself. Just go ahead and lay hands on yourself. Say, I'm going to lead myself. You need to lead yourself. Okay? Why would you follow something deceitful? <laughs> it does. It does feel good. What does it says? It says, it says what? It says, sin, when it's full blown in James chapter 1, when it's fully grown, it leads to what? Death. So, if you want to follow your heart, it's going to lead you to the place of death, friends. Not only do we need to, friends, learn how to lead ourselves, we need to lead ourselves, friends. We need to lead our families. So if you're in this place, friends, if you're a father, man, you need to lead your family. If you're a mother in here, you need to lead your family. If you don't have children, if you're in here and maybe you're not married, you don't have kids, then friends, you need to learn to lead your siblings, lead your, lead your cousins, lead your, lead your, your relatives. If you're all by yourself and you have no family, then friends, you need to lead the people at your workplace. If you don't have family and you don't have a job and you ha- and then friends, you need to lead your friends. If you don't have friends and you don't have family and you don't have a, a job, then friends, you need to lead your neighborhood. If you don't have a neighborhood and you don't have friends and you don't have family and you don't have a job, then friends, you're hopeless. There's nothing I can do about that. You just... Because it... Because that means... Because friends, isolation... Isolation will kill you. <laughs> It'll kill you. I mean, shoot. I mean, you need to get around some people. If you can say no to all those, then, then you need to get around some people. <laughs> get around some folks. Let them help you out. Friends, we need to lead our families. We need to lead our workplace. Friends, there's a difference between being bossy and leading. <laughs> there is a difference between being bossy and leading. Nobody wants to follow behind someone that's bossy. Raise your hand if you like to follow someone bossy. Raise your hand. Look at that. Oh, one hand was about to go up. <laughs> I was about to get hit. He was, I'm about to get slapped in the back of the handle and put my hand back down. <laughs> For no one likes to be bossed around. But people like to be led. Everybody wants a strong leader. That's why we're having such, that's why, that's why during presidential election time, that's why there's such an uproar. Because we want strong leadership. America desires strong leadership. We, as people, we desire to have strong leaders. Everyone wants to be led, but no one wants to be bossed around. There's a difference between being bossy and leading. Friends, uh, and so when you're at your job, when you're at your workplace, I just want to go ahead and say this. I want to ask you a question. Who do you think is Christ's representative in that place? Who do you think? Absolutely. It's you. There, there may be another one, but I guarantee you, you're the representation of Christ at your workplace. 
Friends, you're the representation of Christ in your neighborhood. You're the representation of Christ in your family. And friends, with influence, friends, we got to lead. Thank you, Lord. This is shaping out to be a pretty decent word, huh? <laughs> I put this together, I'm like, oh man, this might be one of those other ones. <laughs> John Maxwell says this, he says, leadership is for everyone, exclamation point. How can I make such a bold claim? Because every person who accepts Christ is called to influence others. Everyone. Let me say it one more time just because it's so good. Leadership is for everyone! Exclamation point. How can I make such a bold claim? Because every person who accepts Christ is called to influence others. Everyone. That's why we are all called to lead someone or something. Number two. Friends, we are called to lead by example. Oh. Friends, have you ever seen a fat trainer at the gym? I go to the gym. I need to go more often than I, than I do go. But I can tell you this. In all my years of going, I've never seen a fat trainer. Who is going to follow someone who's not doing what they're teaching others to do? Amen. It doesn't happen. Okay? It, it doesn't work. You know, and, and it's not like, and on, on the other side, some people say, how can you be a skinny chef? <laughs> how do you, you can't, you know, I mean, now, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, there's a difference in that part, but, but, but to be honest, are you really eating your food? If you cook good and you and you look that big, I'd question your cooking. Come on, let's go on the other end. Let's go on both sides. Friends, you have to live it to teach it. You have to live it to teach it. You just have to. A servant leader shows someone or shows people how to do it by doing it. Friends, I never ask my kids to clean our house if I'm not doing it alongside them. I don't sit on the couch, grab the remote control, and say, Joshua, you do this, Jubilee, you do that, Jordan, you do this, Justice, you do that, and while I'm flipping through the channels. When it's clean time at the Hesser house, dad's doing something, mom's doing something, the kids are doing something, it's a joint effort. We're doing what? We're leading by example. Right? It's the law of the picture. The law of the picture is this. People do what people see. Friends, this deals with the importance of examples. John Maxwell says this. He says, uh, says, uh, leaders must communicate vision clearly, creatively, and continually. However, the vision does not come alive until the leader models it. And I didn't put that up there. Friends, your children will do what you do. Period. Children are great imitators, so give them something great to imitate. Here's a few pictures. How many of us know, I mean, your kids are just little, I mean, if you have children in here, they're just parrots. They are parrots of their parents. (laughs) <laughs> look like Earl. 
But isn't that, that is exactly how it is. Your child will imitate. Again, children are great imitators, so give them something great to imitate. Children are great imitators. Give them something great to imitate. One more quote by John Maxwell, and then we're going to go into number three. It says, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. They not only know the direction they're going into, they go in the direction they're going into, and they help others to go in the direction they're going into. John Maxwell, he's one of my favorite teachers on leadership, so I've got maybe one or two more quotes from him just because it's awesome. He's a great leader. I've actually got the John Maxwell Leadership Bible. It's phenomenal. I recommend it. Number three, here we go. So not only are we all called to lead something or someone, not only are we called to lead by example, but friends, number three, we are called to lead people to Christ. We are called. If you are a follower of Christ, then you recognize that you are called to influence others. Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. I've got some of these parts highlighted just because these are the things that he calls us. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You, he's talking to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's good for nothing. (laughs) You don't want to be a good for nothing. (laughs) But to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Then he points to his disciples, he tells them this, he says, you are the light of the world. We know that Jesus is the light of the world, but he goes on and he points back to us. And he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor uh, do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Okay, I know that we're called to do things in secret. Okay, I get the concept. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Many of us get the concept. But this is a concept that Jesus is saying right here, right now to us today. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What's that called? That's called, that's called leading, friends. It's called leading. It's called being an influence. Friends, we're called to lead people to Christ. It doesn't say we're called to subdue them to Christ, subject them to Christ, Conjure them up to Christ. Manipulate them into Christ. No, friends. By the life the Scripture says, how will they know the love that we... Or how will they know that we're His disciples? By the love that we share or the love that we show one another. Friends, uh, when, when I hear stories of, you know, of Muslims coming to Christ, it's usually by, by two things. Number one, they either have some sort of radical experience, a dream or a vision, or, God, or Jesus shows up, something like that. The other thing that causes uh, Islamics... To, to, to come to Christ is because they see the, the love that Christians around them have. And they say, I don't know what it is that you have, but I want that. And I'm, and I, I'm not just going to just say that with, with those who are, are Muslim, but, people, but anybody that, that is, is of a faith that is based around works or maybe they have no faith or anything. Friends, there is something so hot about a Christian who is walking in love. That's so attractive. Why do you think people were attracted to Jesus? Because, friends, not only did Jesus, did he walk in authority, but he treated people way differently than religious people. 
The church should not just be a hospital for the sick. I mean, this should be the church should be like like the love shack, like like a place, a place, a place where people feel so loved that they want to be at all the time. <laughs> they don't want to leave. <laughs> it should be the, the the church of God should be a place where people feel so welcome. Come on, it's the truth, man. Friends, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, you are called to lead others, ultimately to Christ. Through our influence, He will be made known. Friends, if you're a follower of Christ and you believe in heaven and you believe in hell and you believe that they're real, then friends, it's our job to depopulate hell as best as possible. It's our job to depopulate hell. Friends, we need to introduce people to the greatest lover of all, the lover of our soul, our Heavenly Father. The Scripture says that we're called to make disciples of all nations. Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to end on this. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20 says this. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you, and lo, Friends, God made it easy for people that are vertically challenged. Lo, I am with you always. (laughs) Even to the end of the age. (laughs) Two questions. These are questions I ask myself. Hopefully you ask yourself. Friends, how are you leading today? And then secondly, friends, what kind of atmosphere are you setting? Stand to your feet with me, if you will. We're going to pray. Friends, if you know you have a hard time leading yourself, leading your family, leading others, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and an act of leadership. Friends, it's not a magic formula, but it's a step of faith. I'm going to ask if you would slip outside of your chair today and come up to the altar as a sign of you leading yourself to a place of brokenness where you want God. on up if you know that your leading qualities haven't been the best. Friends, God is here for, for you today.